scripture reading this morning will be from Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 and, and 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Morning. It is a blessing to be together this Lord's Day. We're thankful for the time and the privilege to be able to worship our God together. It is always an encouragement to be with the saints on the first day of the week, to partake of the Lord's Supper as we have done, to remember our Lord and, His, and our Savior and His death and the sacrifice that saved us from our sins. And so we're so glad that you are here with us. If you're visiting with us, we're especially grateful for your presence this morning. We're glad that you had the opportunity to be here, and we hope that you'll stick around and let us visit with you to get to know you a little bit. And we are so glad that we have the opportunity to worship our God with you this morning. Throughout this year, we have been seeking to understand the gospel. And the gospel is for all has been our theme and we have wanted to try to define what the gospel is. We've wanted to see how the gospel had been foretold to Abraham in the beginning in Genesis chapter 12. And how in the Old Testament that everything that was driving the Old Testament, it was about getting us to the Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. And so we've looked at glimpses of the prophets and how Isaiah in particular prophesied of Jesus and his life, his ministry, even his death, and how Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies, and how the story of Jesus is essential to the gospel story. And then we have begun to really consider how we become a part of the gospel, that the gospel is not just a story that we tell, it's a story that invites us to participate within the story itself that we are connected with Jesus, especially as we see in baptism, that we join in His death, burial, and resurrection, and that we participate in that, in a sense. And so the Gospel is an invitation for us to become a part of that. And to then, as we looked at last month, that the Gospel, we are to live out the Gospel, we are to live in a way that is worthy of the Gospel. And that is seen especially in our submission and our obedience to King Jesus. And we are to live in a way that is glorifying Him and honoring Him. And so as we have touched on all of those things throughout this year, we are going to conclude with a title, The Gospel is for All. And that's what we're going to be doing this morning and this evening. And so we're going to be looking at this fairly in-depth this, uh, this Lord's Day. Because we want to fully understand and appreciate that the Gospel and the story of the Gospel, it is intended for everyone. That is what we have been driving to understand all this year. And it is supposed to be shared with everyone. We have the responsibility to become the gospel in many respects. Sometimes we will sing the song, the world's Bible. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his word today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no tongue but our tongues to tell men how he died. He has no help 
but our help to bring them to his side. It's the first verse of that hymn. The second verse, we are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in deed and word. What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? We have a responsibility to become the gospel in a very real sense, that we are to live out the message and the story of Jesus Christ. And we do that by accepting the responsibility of becoming like Christ, that each and every day that we have in our life, it is driven to become more and more like the character of Jesus Himself. That we are to embody the character and the traits that Jesus lived out. And we are to show that to others. That becomes our responsibility that we welcome and that we accept and that we want to share that with other people. And so we need to understand that the gospel is to transform us. It's to change us. And we are then to go into all the world as we just read in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave the great commission to the apostles to go and to preach the gospel whenever he told them. There in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to first look at Mark chapter 16 as well, with the two great commission accounts where Jesus told them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. In Matthew chapter 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What we see is that what Jesus expected from those who would be His disciples to go out and to share the message of the Gospel, to share that with everyone of all people, of all races, of all nations. To go preach the gospel to all of the creation that is there, that would have ears to hear. And as Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 19, he told the apostles to go and make disciples. But then what you see in verse 20 is that teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What disciples are going to do is they're going to continue to teach. And as that, there become more disciples, all disciples begin to take on that responsibility, that shared responsibility of teaching that message. And so the message is supposed to continue to grow. It's supposed to continue to be passed down. It's supposed to be passed on to the next generation of disciples. There's constant teaching that is taking place among disciples. And so you see that in the very nature of the gospel, it is intended to be passed and it is intended to be shared. As the Apostle Paul would write to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, I want you to notice here in Colossians chapter 1 that Paul, he takes the same kind of language that Jesus uses in the Great Commission. And he speaks about that and in his responsibility as an apostle to preach and to teach. He says in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 23, as he's talking about the ministry of preaching and the ministry of reconciliation, he says in verse 23, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister... 
So Paul is saying that we have accomplished the Great Commission, essentially, isn't he? That we have taken the Gospel to all creation. Now you might be thinking, has every single individual heard the Gospel? I don't think that's what Paul means there. You continue on in verse 27. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 27, notice what Paul says. He says, To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That the Gospel was to be taken and carried not just to the Jews, but to all nations, to the Gentiles, to the Roman world, the Roman Empire. That Paul was specifically working with and preaching and teaching in all those Roman provinces that you read about in the book of Acts. You turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2 and in verses 11 and following, notice what Paul says here. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... But now... So that's how you were. You were separate. You were alienated. You were excluded. But now... In Christ Jesus, you were formerly, who were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now you are brought inside. Now you are given inclusion there. Now Paul is trying to get people to understand that the Gospel, it's not just for the Jews only. That's so much of what he deals with throughout his ministry, throughout his preaching and teaching, throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is trying to get people to understand that the Gospel is for all nations. That the Gospel and the mystery of Christ was to be preached to everyone. And that's what Jesus is trying to commission His apostles in Matthew chapter 28 and in Mark chapter 16 to understand to go and to share the Gospel to everyone. Everyone. Have you ever noticed in the New Testament all those passages that say whosoever, or maybe if you have a more modern translation, it says whoever, whoever, and those statements in the New Testament that say everyone? It's impressive. In John chapter 3 and verse 16 that we Uh, mentioned in our adult Bible study this morning, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now this is an open invitation to anyone who wants to come and to believe in Christ and to become a, a part of this Gospel. It is available in Jesus and His sacrifice. It's available to whomever would like to come and to participate in that. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, in that first gospel sermon, as Peter was quoting from the prophet Joel, which is something that should cause us to consider that even the Old Testament 
It refers to the acceptance of the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 21, notice here, and Peter is quoting from Joel 2, and it says, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That everyone. There's no strings attached in terms of, or conditions or anything like that. That anyone who wants to call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. That promise of salvation is made available to whoever would come and believe and call on the Lord. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel was intended to go to everyone. It offers salvation to everyone. And as you read in the New Testament, as you begin, especially with Acts and following even into the epistles, especially the letters by Paul, what becomes such a prominent issue is that the Jews, they wanted, even believing Jews, Christians, they expected the Gentiles to adopt the Jewish lifestyle. And that became a point of contention, a sharp contention between the Jews and the Gentiles in the Lord's church. And in Acts chapter 15, this all kind of comes to a head over the issue of circumcision. And in Acts chapter 15, there is this assembly with the church and the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem, and they all begin to discuss this matter. And James, the brother of Jesus, our Lord, he speaks up and he begins to quote from the prophets. In Acts chapter 15 and in verse 15, James says, With this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. And you can see that he is appealing to the Old Testament for what he is about to say. He's appealing specifically to the book of Amos. In Amos chapter 9, the, towards the very end of that chapter, the very end of that book, and so as everyone has come forward and, and has spoken, Peter and Paul and Barnabas, and they have all said that God has made salvation available to the Gentiles. And now James is saying, this is exactly what the Old Testament prophets have said. And he quotes there in verse 16, After these things I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Says the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. James, he quotes from that Old Testament passage and he says... Right there it is in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in the book of Amos. It's right there that the Gentiles would become a part of this. That in all of God's plan, 
The Gospel and the, sal- the salvation that God is extending through the Messiah, through the Savior, that it is supposed to be given to everyone. That whosoever would come to the Lord. You go back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 12, in the beginning with Abraham there, In the promise that was made to Abraham, you know the land promise, you know the great nation promise. But it's there in Genesis chapter 12 and in verse 3. And he says, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Doesn't that just make it a little bit even closer to home there? It's not even just about taking the Gospel and the salvation and the story of Christ to all the nations or all the countries, right? It's bringing it even closer home. All the families of the earth. We want all the families of the earth to know the Gospel. The Gospel is supposed to be taught and proclaimed and preached to every one. Everybody. In the book of Romans, so much of what Paul is writing about in the book of Romans is exactly this Jew-Gentile issue that takes place. Among the Lord's church in the first century. And in Romans chapter 9, at the end of Romans chapter 9, He quotes from the prophet Hosea. He quotes from uh, the prophet Hosea as well. And how they, Isaiah and Hosea, they were both proclaiming that the Gentiles would be included, not excluded, from the salvation that God has given. And so you come to chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10 and in verse 11, Paul, he says, for the Scripture says, and he quotes from the Old Testament, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. There's our word whoever again, right? For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That Jew or Gentile, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, no matter your socioeconomic status, the Gospel is for you. The story of Jesus is for you. No matter what sin you have committed, the story of Jesus is for you. We all need that story. We all need the Gospel. And he makes this proclamation that Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, our Savior, is Lord of not just some people, not just the Jews, but the Lord of all. And He's abounding in riches for all who call on Him. The Gospel is supposed to be taken to everyone. And throughout the pages of Scripture, we just see that time and time 
again. Even as we have been considering the, the issues between the Jews and the Gentiles in the first century in the early church, even the apostles didn't fully understand it. In Acts chapter 10, Peter, he's the one who quoted from Joel and said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he doesn't go preaching to the Gentiles right away, does he? In fact, he has to be told three times in the, by Acts chapter 10, hey, you need to go to the Gentiles. <laughs> Took a vision from God for him to kind of get it. But then once he got it, he understood it. Because in Acts chapter 10, in that sermon to Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. And then in this a little parenthetical statement, he is, he is Lord of all. Now, Peter acknowledges that the Gospel first went to the Jews. The story, Jesus Himself was a Jew. But that doesn't mean that the Gospel was only for the Jews. And that Jesus was a Savior just for the Jews only. The Gospel is available to everyone. We need to understand that and the significance of that and what that means for us. So why does the Gospel need to go to everyone? Because there is a universal problem. There is a problem that has affected every nation on earth. All have sinned. All have sinned. In the book of Romans, Paul shows that very carefully. In Romans chapter 1, beginning at about verse 18, where Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse." For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks because they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Here I believe Paul is talking about the pagan, idolatrous people who were not Jews, the Gentiles. People who did not have the law. Now these people, these... People, they have known about God by the creation, by just what they see around them, but they haven't been given special revelation through the law and the prophets. And you go on and you see that they are just 
guilty of idolatry and improper worship because they have begun to, uh, they've exchanged the glory of God for the image of corruptible man and of birds and animals. And so they turned to idolatry and God gave them over in their lusts. They turned to their degrading passions and homosexuality and, and improper function in sexual ideas and things that they do. They turn to wickedness and greed and evil and envy and murder and strife, deceit, malice, disobedience to their parents. They are slanderers. They are haters of God. You just read the laundry list of things that take place. It's absolute, total evil. And what's amazing about Romans chapter 1 is that that's in the first century. <laughs> if you think times are bad now, well, they've kind of always been bad, is what Paul's trying to give us. We just kind of have the benefit of being able to turn on the TV and being able to see about it and hear about it in an instant like that. I'm not saying we're, we, might, we might actually be worse because Paul in 2 Timothy says things get, go from worse to worse. <laughs> so things do get worse. This is pretty bad right here. Then you go on into chapter 2. The Jew that might be reading this might be thinking, hey, they, amen, Paul, preach it. Preach it hard. You're doing right. You're getting on to those Gentiles for their idolatry and their improper behavior. But then Paul turns to the Jews in chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth, you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who say that no one... That, that one should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You abhor idols. Do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? Because if you think that you're off the hook, when you break the law, even though you might be teaching and preaching and doing all the right and saying all the right things, when you break the law, you're no better. You're no better here. And he concludes there in verse 24, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. And so he's gone through and he's shown in chapter 1, Gentiles, you have sinned. Chapter 2, Jews, you have sinned. This is not just a local isolated problem. This is a universal problem. And so he is able to conclude in chapter 3 and verse 23, a verse that we are all probably pretty well acquainted with, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is not just an isolated problem, it has become a worldwide problem. It's become a universal problem that has affected everyone. 
We live in a corrupt and fallen world. We live in a place that influences us towards evil and evil thinking. That sounds pretty miserable, doesn't it? It's not something that is encouraging. But sin is the universal problem. It is a universal problem that brings with it condemnation, death, and judgment. Just going back to chapter 1 of Romans. In verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Does that sound like a pleasant thing that you want to experience? Do you want to come to know firsthand the wrath of God? I don't. I want to be saved from the wrath of God. After that whole long laundry list of sins in chapter 1, notice what he says in verse 32. He says, And although they know the ordinance of God, those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. He says that if you are committing this kind of sin, if you're participating in these kinds of activities, you deserve death. Who wants to die? I think he's talking about spiritual death. But a lot of people, they don't like, they they feel very uncomfortable even talking about death, their own death physically, right? If we had that, that kind of reluctance towards physical death, then how much kind of reluctance should we have about eternal spiritual separation and condemnation from God? We should have tenfold. Kind of hesitancy to talk about it. You go on to chapter 2. Notice what Paul says there in chapter 2 and in verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each person according to his deeds. Because of our unrepentance, our refusal to repent and change, we are just storing up wrath for ourselves. Have you ever noticed that? On the day of judgment, if you are condemned and you are found guilty by the God of heaven, who will you have to blame? Only yourself. Only yourself. It's not God's fault if we stand condemned. It will only be our fault. And God is the most 
impartial and fair judge that would be there. That will judge, as he says, rendering to each person according to his deeds. He's going to evaluate us based on what we have done. The proof is in the pudding, right? Then we'll know. He goes on in verse 8. Talks about those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. That's what they will receive. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. Everyone. Everyone is going to stand condemned if they do not receive the forgiveness that comes from God and His grace. And so no matter who you are, no matter your background, your level of knowledge and understanding and education, no matter who you are, no matter how much you have in your bank account, no matter how, much you, how little you have in your bank account, if you have sin in your life that you have not repented of and you have never sought God's forgiveness, then you stand condemned and guilty. Paul says, For there is no partiality with God in verse 11. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. If you have sinned in your life, you are deserving of death, condemnation, judgment. If that's not the sermon you wanted to hear, then you have to come back tonight because then you get the good news tonight. But to appreciate the good news, you have to fully understand and realize the desperate nature of sin. To understand and appreciate the Gospel of Christ, you have to understand the predicament that we were in and that we needed to be saved from, don't you? Sin is a universal problem. It's a problem that has affected each and every one of us, isn't it? In some way or another. Maybe even if you haven't reached an age of accountability, everyone is affected by the choices that we make and the sins and problems of others. Maybe a spouse, maybe a, a parent. Maybe a grandparent. We're all affected by it. It influences us. And it's not just one of us that has experience in it. It's all of us. And so what will we do about it? What can be done? If we remain stubborn and unrepentant, if we're just storing up wrath for ourselves and judgment, and if we're just doomed to perish and be condemned for eternity, what can be done? 
Thankfully, there is grace found in Jesus Christ. But to hear about the rest of it, come back tonight. In the book of Romans, in the fifth chapter, to give you a little bit of a preview, in Romans chapter 5, and in verse 6, Paul wrote these words. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. The good news is that Jesus came. And that through his death and through his sacrifice, he has brought salvation. Salvation from the condemnation and the death and the wrath of God that we deserve. The gospel is for all. The story of Jesus is for everyone. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This morning, if you are not a child of God, Jesus Christ died for you. No matter what it is that you've done in your life, the grace of God is extended and offered to you. And you can come to be washed and to be cleansed and to be forgiven because of Christ and His sacrifice. If you have made that commitment to following Christ, but you've not been living faithfully for the Lord, we want you also to change and fix your life. Confess those things that you've done which are wrong. We're here to offer grace and mercy. We want to pray with you and pray for you that God might forgive you once again. If we can help you in some way, would you come?